Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. I wanted to um, t- talk a, a little bit about for, to you, Dad, say a little bit of a challenge. The message is going to be condensed. Um, it's only going to be about an hour and a half. And, uh, and I'm doing this just for you, Dads. No. I, I think actually taking times during the year and honoring different people is really important. And we live in a world today that, well, they make dads like big, big buffoons because that's God created dads in authority. That's part of the deal. And, um, and I tell people all the time, I tell people all the time that if you had a dad or mom and maybe they weren't the best dad and mom, maybe they weren't the best example I always tell people all the time, you have a Heavenly Father that is a great example. And never allow the horizontal to determine what happens spiritually in your heart and in your mind with God the Father. And it doesn't make, it doesn't make a difference. You know, all of us need a spiritual father. And I, and I still, even though my kids are grown, if any kids come in my life, I'm going to try to be the best spiritual father that I can possibly be. And I want to challenge you. You can be a spiritual father, grandfather, mother, grandmother. You know, it's very important to keep influencing and not think, well, you know what, I'm done with that. No, no, you're not. It's really important. We live in a world today that many do not have good role models. And, and what happens in a home affects kids. That's why what happens in a home is crucial. It's crucial. And, um, but if you look in scripture and you look at dads, there's a lot of dads that kind of had problems and they're well-known dads. You know, Abraham grew up in a family that worshiped idols and God called him and then said, I want you to leave everything. I mean, he had to leave his father, leave everybody behind because God had a call on him and, and God didn't tell him exactly where to go. So you could say, look at Abraham. Abraham is where it all started. God finally picked a people to work with to show his power so all nations would see what the true God uh, can do in them and for them. And yet Abraham, of course, came from a family that didn't worship God. And yet God used him immensely. Gideon grew up in a a family of worship idolists. And then God comes on the scene and then says, hey, I want you to go destroy your father's idol. I want you to just think about this for a minute. I mean, here's Gideon going to have to destroy the idol in the whole city here. And it happens to be the one his father has erected up. How about Moses? Moses was taken away from his parents very young after he was weaned. And then was raised in the Egyptian uh, culture. And actually no association with his family. And yet, and yet, even though what happened to him, you see how this man rose up to be a man who is known as who talked with God as one does face to face. I mean, I want you to understand something. So when you say you have a background and you have this, no, you can look at your excuses and you can always be excuses. Because my philosophy is there's always something in our life that's not right. But if you focus there, that's where you live. That's where you live because you choose to focus there instead of really looking at what you've experienced to make you better, not bitter. So if you've gone through some rough situations and rough circumstances, I want you to understand something. 
that God wants to do something in you and through you and around you. So for me and you, I want you to understand that don't use your background. How about Joseph? Joseph was taken away because of his jealous brothers and then sold as a slave. I want you to understand he had it bad. But did he use his excuses or did he finally trust God in the midst of the pressure to be rose up, to become a person who would save nations and his own family and the own brothers, the one who, who rejected him? I want you to get this, that there are some things that happen in our life that's really hard and sometimes they can come from your own very family. But that doesn't give you the excuse to hold a grudge against the God of heaven that wants to do some great things in your life. So you can allow that to be a hindrance to your life, or you can allow that to be a help to your life. The real issue is you. Because God can use all these things. He really uses them to make you stronger. You know, a lot of times, uh, people don't see the things we go through as vehicles to make us better. They see those things as things that hurt us, but they don't hurt us. If you're wise and if you learn from them, it makes you stronger, and it helps you to help more people. Fathers, believers of God, we're representatives of God. We're not the best representatives. We can do the best we can. And I believe this with all my heart. If you do your best, God will do the rest. Amen. And God's not asking for a perfection. He's asking for relationship. He's asking for intimacy. He's, and, and don't look at this person over here or that person over there. Just focus on you. One of my pet peeves in ministries is when people always want to point and say, well, that person there. No, no. When people's always pointing is they want to get the focus off themselves. If you're always looking outward, you're never looking inward. So let me give you a few things, people of God, men of God, dads. What does a godly father must recognize? The first thing, the first thing, and when I was, when I was just, when I first got the news that I was going to be a daddy, I felt, in, felt unqualified, felt, Lord, you know, um, our, you said something this morning. He said, uh, I had to step up. Because I had now responsibilities. Well, when I got, when I, when I was, I was in school. I, I've had, a, I had a, a really heavy load when a child, when Aaron, he was the eldest and he first came and I was working full time, in school full time, traveling back and forth for about 45 minutes back and forth to school. It was, it was, plus you doing a youth ministry full time. It was, a, it was long, long, long days and not much, much sleep for three years and a half. But God did something in the process. And even, in, even though I saw so many people living on campus and they had it so easy, they just had it, to me, they had it so easy and then they would complain. All they had to do, they had, they had housing, they had food, they had to go nowhere. I had to work a full-time job. I know, and I was like, God, why did he have these people have it so easy and they complain so much? But then I realized after the fact what I learned from those tough times. So I give you this. The first thing, if you're going to make a difference, is you have to be a father that first surrenders your own heart to God. Your own heart, your own relationship with God. You cannot do this outward unless you first understand what happens upward. 
And it's a constant deal. Someone say constant. constant. It's not enough to, you know, see children in church. It's more than that. They have not to be found in church, but to be found in Christ. There's a difference. A lot of people can come through the doors. You can be in church, and to me, it doesn't make a difference. But if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and your relationship is only as good as you want, you don't want much, God's going to let you go. That's your choice. He's not going to be on your choice. But we have a responsibility. If we love them, we'll do everything we can to help them. That's a good point that everybody could have said. Amen. The most important thing that we can do for our children is to help them develop a personal, personal love for God. You can't put love for God in your children. You can't do it. You can't, you can't do that. You can't put passion. You, you can't put hunger. It's something that has to drive up within them. But what you can do is put a little salt in their life. What you can do is live an example and challenge them and help them and give them understanding so they understand it. And when they can understand it, that's when they'll take it themselves and own it. That's what has to happen. We can create an environment where children can see the benefits of living for Jesus Christ. So we share the struggles, but we also share the benefits. Because God's always taking care of his people when his people take care of him, it, does, it just works that way. People say to me, well, I don't see God. I don't feel God. Well, the reason why they don't feel God and they don't spend no time with God. Your friendship is only as good as the amount of time you put into it. it. Same thing happens. The more time you spend up with, the more time you get to see what God's going to do. I believe God for great things. I still believe in God for great things. And when I mean believing, I mean that. And not just a wish list. I don't have a wish list. I don't believe in wish lists, per se. I believe that you have a great God on your side, and all things are possible. That's it. Doesn't mean, though, there's not struggles. Doesn't mean there's not problems. Doesn't mean there's not hardships. Those things come because we live in a broken world. But Jesus said, you shall have trials and tribulations. Be be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Someone say amen. amen. This is just a warm-up. Fathers help kids so they understand what the right things are. So they can make the healthy habits themselves. You have to live it. A lesson is always taught before it's caught. And sometimes it takes a long time and, and it just it is a lifetime lesson. But you have to be able to do so. But we live in a world today that when it comes down to the church of God, we're lacking men. We'll be starting up a new men's ministry in September. Because one of the things that's important for men to get connected to each other, strengthen each other, and go out and be his salt. But when we look at the men today in the church, it's a typical congregation draws an adult crowd, and it mainly makes about 61 female, 39 male. When you look at the church in a given Sunday, there's about 13 million women. Out of 13 million women are in churches and, and that's a lot of women in American churches. This Sunday, almost 25% of the married church-going women will worship without their husbands. That's pretty normal for, for husbands to say, you know what, I believe in God, yeah, 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 but I don't want to do church. But they forget the important that it goes together, it helps relationship, it helps aspect, but two have to own it. If one just owns it, it's not going to work that strong whatsoever. More than 90% of Americans' men believe in God 
And five out of nine call themselves Christians, but unfortunately, they feel that there's no value. Men feel no value to come to church, though they may have some type of faith. I want you to understand is that when we live it, it has to be seen. It just can't be told. You know, you can tell people, you know how many times you tell someone they don't smoke? But while you tell someone they shouldn't smoke because it's bad for their life, that same person is smoking on a cigarette. Do you think that person's, even though the person's saying, right, the cigarettes do kill, they're not helpful for us. That's common sense, and we know that. But you can't be doing your thing and say, it's okay for me, but it's not okay for you. There's got to be an example. So this morning, I want to take, talk to you about something about a blessed, blessed is a man that shines. Blessed is a man that shines. What does that mean? I, I want to take a very, well, I love this, this chapter. It's found in Psalms chapter 1, and it's a great psalm. So read with me. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the way of the sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. And whatsoever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assemblies of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, what this really is, is mainly given a contrast. It's comparison, two types of people and two types of results. So the first one is a blessed man who walks in righteousness. The second one is an, a man who is not blessed by God, though he could be blessed in the world-wise. And people often mix up blessing just because someone's wealthy and they seem to have life easy. They say, well, that person's blessed. <laughs> You're seeing life through a very short period of time. We live, the most you're going to live is 120 years. That's what the Bible says. But life doesn't stop after you die. It's, it, there's so much facts and there's so many things. Uh, even medically, some of the stuff that's out there now that kind of proves that there's an electrical image of us, of our body that's in us. The people who have lost no arm, but when they do the image, the arm is still there. Not the physical arm. There's so much. We are so complex in, a, in this being. It's just so complex. Nevertheless, I want you to understand that the unblessed man, the unrighteous man, also has a result too. But it's not God's result for him. It's his result for him. Because God wishes that none would perish but have everlasting life. It takes one breath, one breath to change destiny. One breath, one hot breath. That says God. That's all. And God's incredible mercy and grace. And I've seen it. I've been. I've been at the deathbeds of these people. I've seen them. I've been there with them. It's amazing how simple it is and then what God can do. So let's look at the first one here. Let me look at this. Blessed is the man that chooses the right path. 
Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. Let's look at that for a second because uh, this is really simple. When you look at the difference between the righteous man and the unrighteous man, there's really three differences. Three. It's the thinking, it's the behavior, and it's the belonging. It's the thinking, the behavior, and the belonging. I tried to get three Bs, but I couldn't. Thinking, behavior, and belonging. You see, the righteous man and the ungodly have, they're different on the way they think and how they behave and who they belong to, what they associate with. See, does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. I like Psalms 1 because the blessed man does not take his cues from the culture. It's not faddish. It may not be right to stand for righteousness. It may not be right in this world to call things that are sin, that the God says it's sin. And, but in the man of God doesn't stand for what he thinks. He stands for what God says. And he doesn't take his cues from the culture. Culture's always changing. You know, in our culture at one time, bell bottoms were in. Mm, yeah. How many remember them? How many wore them? How many wore them? I loved them. I thought they were great. Me and my, me and my uh, uh, I had Texas boots up to here with um, big bell bottoms. And that word they were in. Things change all the time. But God's word doesn't. And the man of God needs to stand up for what is true and what is right. Corinthians tells us about counseling that we won't, we got to, who are we going to take our counsel from? does not walk in the counsel. you got to understand, a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, these are people who counsels. They, I don't know what it is, but I see this all the time. You have people who have major relationship problems going to people who have relationship problems for advice. I've seen this so many times. They come in my office. Such and such says. And I'm thinking to myself, I know this situation. You're taking advice from that person who's not healthy, would you go to a physician who is a terrible physician that you know he's a terrible physician and take advice for someone you know he's a terrible physician? Of course not. You have something wrong with you. What do you want? You want the best doctor possible. Is that not true? Amen. Of course. If you're wise, you do. So why, where do we go for counsel? And in that counsel, who are they? Are they healthy? Do they have things on their heart unresolved? Do they have bitterness? Do they have resentment? Do they have issues themselves? And then they're putting out all this stuff. And then the other person's going for advice. It doesn't make sense. Well, this is exactly what this talks about. Do not, misbeled, do not be misled. 1 Corinthians 15, 13. Bad company corrupts good character. I understand this one because of ministry as many as long as I've been. A lot of my problems in counseling has been people listening to people giving bad advice. And some people could have been really hurt by some of the dumb advice that was been given. James 1.5, if you lack wisdom, listen to what God says. If you lack wisdom, he should just ask God. But we don't. We don't give God the main place of gaining counsel. Who gives generously to all without finding fault. Oh, did you get that? Give generously to all without finding fault. Mm. and it will be given to him. 1 Timothy 3.16, all scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. What does that mean? God says, hey, come to me first for your counsel. 
Come to me for your counsel. Don't listen to this and this and this. Everybody wants to listen to someone. If they say the right thing, <laughs> I'll chew on that, baby. But they're not, they're not tuning in to the voice, the right voice, his word. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, but he stands in the way of sinners. Let me just say this before I move on. The path of a godly man is going to lead you somewhere. The path of an ungodly man will lead you somewhere. Each individual gets on a path. Every path, every path leads to a destination. The question you and I have to ask, what path are we on? What path do you want to be on? When I go back, and I look back now as few years have passed, and I remember when I was in my boiler room, and I was the type of guy that wanted to have a lot of money by 50. I wanted to be really wealthy by 50, and I wanted to cruise the rest of the journey. I was full of gun-ho. I was full of vigor. I was getting into my trade. I was getting my licenses. I wanted to have the dream. And so I started with it, and I started on a right path, and I had, I really was doing well. Then God came into my life, and when God came into my life, something changed in my heart, where all of a sudden, I no longer wanted the stuff anymore. I really wanted God more. And it came to a point, came to a point where I made out that list that if I really dedicated my whole life to God, what would that mean? And that other list, if I gave it to my trade and I really worked hard, what does that mean? And on one side, all it had was me. My boats, cars, motorcycles, vacations, kids' education, vacation, anywhere, you know, it was all me, everything that was on there. Because I could afford it. Making two fifty a year, maybe two a year, one definitely, you know, maybe whatever the figure would be by doing investments, making quite a bit of money per year. You know what? I had a game plan, not just making uh, three digits, but then investing it and not spending it like most people do. I had a game plan. I knew how to make. I say I knew what make money to make money because I could only have so much time. Had a game plan. But God came into my game plan, and when he did, he changed everything. He literally changed everything. But he really didn't, because it was that one day when I finally wrote everything on a piece of paper, and one said others, and the other one said me, and I crumbled up me, threw it in the trash, lifted up others, where it said being there when people are struggling, seeing people heal, seeing people learn about God, seeing people strengthen. It was, just, it was all others. And I lifted it up and I said, God, this is what I want. My one decision that I made landed me in school the next day. The next day, I find myself at a college. I am not college material. I cheated through high school. All four years, I cheated. It's her fault. <laughs> and so God then now puts me the next day. Next day, I get a call from my pastor. The pastor says, hey, how you doing in the, that used to be Marine courses by mail. Okay, we're going back some. And I said, it, it's okay, but I want more of God. This is not enough for me. I'm eating these books up and they're just not enough. He said, then you need to go to school. School was a cuss word for me. Blessed is a man who does not go to school once you graduate. 
That was my philosophy. And I, I said, I said, I, I don't want to go to school. He hung up on me. He said, I'm making an appointment for you. <laughs> Click. And I, I had to obey my pastor. So I called. We were just a year married now. And I called um, the, you know, um, her up. said, I, I got to go get this meeting. And the pastor went, I'll just go. I'll go to appease him. But then, nevertheless, they accepted me on the spot. On the spot! I didn't feel an application. Lord knows, I don't think I've ever paid a fee. They had all that information later. I said, oh, by the way, we don't have information on you. Yeah, I know. Because you told me, you just don't bring anybody in the school. You got to pray over them. Well, they didn't pray over me. I think they should have. <laughs> I find myself in school. Next day, if there's one place... I'd never wanted to be back in. It was school. I just didn't have a very good experience at it. I, w- I want you to every path leads to destination. Because of that one decision I made in my boiler room, one decision, that one decision made a huge difference in my life. One decision does matter. Every path leads somewhere, good or bad. The righteous man knows how to stay away from the counsel that is ungodly. Hurting people just hurt people. If you listen to ungodly counsels, it'll always lead you astray. Watch what Proverbs 4 says. I like this. This is instruction coming from Solomon, also carrying a little bit over from his father David. He says this, Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you with the way of wisdom and lead you along the path straight. When you walk, your steps will be not hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Watch this now, verse 13, Proverbs 4. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Stay away from it because it will hinder your life. God knows this. And that's why it's really important for us if we're going to leave an impact on our children. Hey, my kids know I'm far from perfect. My kids know that I did have a temper. Not a bad temper, but I had a temper. You know, they knew when I was serious. My eyes would go on fire, they'd tell me. Fire eyes. But they didn't know me beforehand because if they thought, you should see the transformation that God had done in my heart and life. Oh, my word. You see, I mean, I I could have been in prison. I almost took some people out because of my, my anger. So anger leads to the dark side. I'll leave that one alone. Stand, stand on righteousness, and your path will always make the way for God to do a work in you. It says, don't stand in the path of sinners. Listen, when you talk about a path, you're talking about a way, you're talking about a road, you're talking about a a destination. And we have to understand that when we look at this portion of Scripture, that a man who does not walk in the, does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the way of sinners, guess what? It's really asking, where am I putting myself in? Where, what type of example am I going to set? I wanted my kids to truly uh, see me for what I was. I, I never try to be more than I am. I, I'm pretty honest. 
I'm pretty comfortable in my skin. I never wanted to, I was never trying to say one thing and do another. I would never acquire them to do something that I wasn't willing to do. But I, I want to tell you something, though, if you're going to be a vessel that's going to make a difference, I, I don't know about you, but you need to don't put yourself in the place that's going to hurt you. Don't sit in the seat of mockers. Listen, this is important. Don't join people making fun of people. It's like, the, it's like a person who has a faith in Jesus Christ and they're at school and someone's picking on someone and instead of standing up for the guys being bullied, you kind of join in with the majority and you say nothing because you don't want to be out of sync. You don't want to be one of the odd ones. Don't sit in the seat of mockers. There are so many people who are critical. Listen, those who are just critical are not problem solvers. Those who are critical find fault. That has nothing to do with the Bible. That's, the Bible teaches that. Listen, we have to judge, but judge to help people. So if someone's in sin, I'm going to say to them, listen, what you're doing is going to cause consequences in your life. You have to choose what do you want to do. That's their choice, not my choice. I'm not going to be judgmental on their decision. I have to support them and love them where they're at. I'm going to tell them what they're doing is sin and it has the consequences for it. But we all have issues we have to deal with. I'm going to say amen. So if you're not perfect, be careful how you judge someone else. Because as my dad would say, he who lives in a glass house should not throw stones. Just a thought. And I think it's teaching, that's what God tells us. But we have to be careful. For the scornful loves to sit and criticize people and things. But the righteous man won't participate in that because anybody can find something wrong with somebody. Make fun of them. Do you like to be made fun of? Do you? Then have you ever made fun of someone? See, it's, it's funny, but nobody likes to be made fun of. So maybe we would just ask, what does the Bible say about being blessed? What does the Bible say about being blessed? Does it say about go ahead and make fun of people? No. Don't sit with a scornful. Don't sit with those who have stuff on their heart that just, just spew it all out. I believe with all my heart that in order for, us, uh, for a man to be strong, you have to know who you are. Men of God, we need men of God today. We really, if we ever needed men of God to stand up to be men of God, we need it today. We really do. Yeah, I heard most women saying amen. But it's true. It's true. Look what the scripture says here about being blessed. Job 5.17, blessed is the man whom God corrects. Ooh. How many like to be corrected? Come on, raise your hand. <laughs> but that's the only way to become better. But it says here, blessed is the man whom God corrects and so does not despise the discipline. I carry a red pen all the time. People think, oh, he's a pastor. It's because of the blood of Jesus. A red pen. No, you're so far off. It's because I need correction. Because I saw red pen for 12 years of my life in college. More than that, eat my word. I've been in college for a long time. I saw all this red, hated red. All I could do is criticize. And I was brought up with a bunch of criticism. And then I get to school, hey, the more red pen. Hey, great stuff, great this, great this. But it's full of red. Then takes all my points away just because I can't spell. I hated that. Did you get my point? Yeah, good point. Good point, Brian. Bad grammar, bad grammar. 
Yeah, I know that. But I use a pen because I said, God, and I'm not going to tell you the story because most of you know it, but, but God, I still want to be corrected. So I'll write with red as a constant reminder that I want to be corrected. I want to be better. Because I hated red. This pen came in my office, you're going out with it. Didn't like it. Had a problem with it. And it's not the color red. Ever do you use red in, in school at all? No. It shows up nice on white, though. It really does. But people say, well, you don't use red anymore. I don't care. Criticism has an impact, but it's not the criticism. Spend time with the person to help them understand the criticism. Don't just criticize and leave them high and dry. See what happens? We criticize, but we're not trying to help the person. We're just finding the fault with the person. You, do, you get enough of that diet, it can change people. So Job says, 5.17, blesses a man whom God corrects, so does not despise the discipline of the Almighty. Psalms 32.2, blessed is a man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and whose spirit is no deceit. This is an individual who's getting right with God, makes a mistake, guess what? Ask God, God, man, I messed up. Ain't that good to have a short account? David was that. David messed up, what did he do? He blamed somebody? No, David took it on and said, God, I messed up. Did David mess up pretty good? Did he? Huh? Come on, say, yeah, he messed up. Yeah. And people say to you all the time, people ever say that, if you're going to mess up, mess up really big. You know what I mean? You're going to mess up, mess up big. That's the stupidest thing you can tell anybody, mess up big. You know, you got a big mess. You got a big mess to clean up. I don't know about you, but I'd rather spill one gallon of paint than, than 50 gallons of paint. Hey, you're going to spill paint? Make it big. Spill 50 gallons of paint. Yeah? You going to come help me clean it? Because one gallon takes a lot to clean. Has anybody ever dumped a gallon of paint before? Yeah. Mm. I know someone that dumped it on her head. Yeah. Three painter. Three coder. One coat on what you're painting, one coat on the floor, and the other coat on you. Mm. We'll leave that one alone. Psalm 34, 8 says, Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. God wants you to take refuge. Psalms 40 says this, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside from false gods. Psalms 112, 1, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. You see, can you just say relationship? That's all God wants. So if you're going to be the best man, and don't think, well, I'm old. Man, you're going to give yourself a cop-out and say you're old. According to a teenager, you were old way long ago. But let you know and I know how old starts to change its number. When you're a young 10-year-old looks at a person who's 30, ooh, they're old. That same kid's now 30, he sees 30 as a new, the new 20. <laughs> It's amazing how we change perspective. I do not feel old at all. That's a good point that someone should have said amen. You just missed it. You could have encouraged me on Father's Day and you missed it. (laughs) You see, you and I have to recognize it's a personal discipline. Men of God, we have to choose the word of God day and night. We need to really focus on what God wants to do in us. We have to choose our disciplines. We have to choose to honor God. We have to choose to do it right. Not because we're trying to be a good example, because we have a relationship. If you just choose because it's your own relationship, everything else will flow. 
I never had to, like, I was always concerned that I would always do uh, a good job and show them just me. It's all I can show them. But I also want to be real. You see, the comparison between a, um, a person here, when you look at this person, portion of Scripture, look at this. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Do you see desire there? You, do you see a person who really wants to not only know God, but wants to invite God into their life? You know what happens when God doesn't do what people want him to do? Do you know what they do? You know what? You didn't answer me, Lord. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to serve you. You know, how many times that a relationship you have with mother, father, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters, and they do something to you, and you don't appreciate it, and then all of a sudden, do you ever cancel them off because of one incident? No. You love them. But people look at God as a spiritual Santa Claus, and we need to be careful we don't do that. We need to realize there's a relationship here. In the good times and bad times, God is there. Amen? So this man wants a delight in the law of the Lord. And if you want true spiritual strength, you have to have a delight. You have, a want, have to have a want to. Someone say want to. Verse 3 is really powerful. Because he has a want to and he spends it day and night, look what happens. He is a blessed individual because he has God's favor. Why? Because he's spending his time with God. It's not putting God into his calendar, God is part of his calendar. It's not putting God into your day, God is part of your day. And so what it says here, he is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, and whatsoever he does prospers. How many people want to be blessed? Huh? Huh? Yeah, we all want to be blessed. But in order for the blessing to come your way, you need to do your part. You gotta do your part. It's a relationship. If you have a strong marriage, it's because the man and the woman have both, both, I'm gonna say both, both determined to work together at one common goal. There's not two ships that fly in the night, one going this way, one going this way. That never is healthy. And at the end, ends up to be destructive. The tree here is not a wild tree. This tree here is a carefully constructed, cultivated tree that has been brought up on the nutrients and the soils and the living water of God. And that's why this tree flourishes. That's why. Is it perfect? No, I'm sure there's limbs on it, not strong. But because the tree is on good soil, good things come from the tree. And I want you to understand, don't allow the devil to give you an excuse. Well, I'm not like such and such. Stop saying that. Because you're not such and such. You're not supposed to be that one. You've got to be who you are. The man of God has to first be planted, a willing vessel, yielded and submitted to the will of God. How much, man, man of God, how much time do you spend in the Word? I mean, how much time do you spend in the Word? And don't give me this baloney I hear all the time. I'm a bad reader. Welcome to a bad reader. I didn't like reading until my almost third year of seminary. That's how long it took me. If you're talking to a person who hated to read, you're looking at this person. And now I'm spitting out books by reading them. See, people always want an excuse. And I want to challenge the dickens out of you. Stop with excuses, men of God and women of God. Be the best you can be. Be the best you can be. 
Because if you are a person who is tree is among, among the waters, you're going to water your life with the word of God. And you're going to yield fruit in season. And you're going to be, oh, because of your obedience, you're going to bring a harvest because you're faithful in the little things. And if you're faithful in the little things, God's going to do greater things. Just hang in there. Don't quit. And you'll win. People so often want to quit because it's easy. But you never get any benefits out quitting. Anybody can quit. And if there's anybody who wanted to quit more in this room, you're looking at the person. Trust me on this, on many levels. But I have something in me that doesn't quit easily. Because I know that I never want to quit anything that God is involved in. And I know God's involved in my life. He's the one that started it. So I'm not going to doubt him or, or anything. I want you to understand. It's a journey, but you got to want more of just God. And in that, God will help you. The leaf does not wither. I like this a lot because it doesn't wither even under adversity. Isn't that funny? When you have a problem, don't you think, how many of you ever thought when you had a really, really big problem, you thought God left you? Raise your hand. Come on. Be honest. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Thank you for those people who are willing to. Yeah. We, 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 and sometimes we say, I would never say that. But you thought it. It's just the same. God hears the secret things of your heart. God knows it all. So don't be afraid to speak it for what is in the heart. From out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Whatever he does proffers, this uh, profits, he prospers. Listen, the reason why he does this is because it's a relationship. This is what's so beautiful. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it goes on that it's not so good. And this is where it compares God watches over the righteous, and he also is watching over the wicked. He all watches over, but the thing is, the decisions from the wicked or the ungodly is their choices. It's not God's. God says that he came into the world that that none would be lost. All would be saved. It says, not so the wicked. They are like chaff and wind blown away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment of the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I, I want to just leave you with this here. And this is important. An unblessed, ungodly man is like chaff. And what it means is that they live their life, but it's not living your life that really counts. It doesn't make a difference how many zeros you have after your name. It doesn't make a difference what you drive. It doesn't make a difference what you wear. It doesn't make a difference... I've, been, I've lived long enough that I've seen many people full circle. And what I mean by that is I'm at the end of life watching people at the end of life not caring about the things they once cared about. The things we so wanted, the things, the things that we thought that would bring contentment and joy to our life. It doesn't at the end. It doesn't at all. You got this full circle. You work so hard, work so hard, work so hard. Get, get, glean, glean, get everything in the can, sit on the can and have a plan. But if you miss the main reason why we live and have our being, it's not the accumulation. It's how we invest our lives in other people. That's a successful, meaningful, rewarding life. It's about making a difference for Christ. Being the agent, as we have been talking about. Being the vessel ready to go on missions for God. And if you haven't ever... Watch the series, Escape the Ordinary, that with a life 
change in series. To know that there is strategy, that God is working in heaven to get his word done and his work's done in heaven and he's looking for you. Sometimes angels step in, but many times he does his work through people. That's how he created it. They will not stand in judgment. They will not stand in the time where there's two types of judgments in the Bible. There's a great white throne judgment and there's a bema seat judgment. And the bema seat judgment is Christians are judged by what they did and the motives they did it with. God will judge them because he sees the heart. And then the great white throne judgment is a judgment that happens to unsaved people. And mainly the reason, the main one there is why they did not accept the atonement of Jesus Christ. That's the bottom two lines right there. And these are the two judgments to come. I want you and I to recognize, men of God, you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility. There's many children out there. There's many people out there. The question is, the question is, how are you going to influence them? How are you going to help them? You can feed someone. You can help someone. You can give someone a fish for a day, or you can teach them how to fish. It's better to teach them how to fish. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now watch verse 2. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Once again, how you think. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. All I want to try to encourage all of us as families, as individuals, as dads, is that, you know what? Get in the word of God. Get into the word of God so the word of God will get into you. And what's in you will come out of you. Does that make sense? If it's not in you, it's not going to come out of you. It's got to get in you to come out of you. I leave you with this portion of Scripture. And it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I, I, I love this portion of Scripture. It says, verse 5, says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. That's how you're supposed to love him. With all of your so let me ask you right now, each one of you, are you loving God with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength? Are you loving God that way? I want to challenge you this morning. I challenge me with, I ask myself that question often. Lord, am I giving my best? Am I living my life my best? And I'll be honest with you, there are some days I will say no. No, I'm not. And I don't want to have many days like that. I don't want to live my life not giving God my best. I'm a type of person that if I'm in, I'm all in. I don't give partiality to the many things I do. And I never want to change on that aspect. But when it comes to God, I certainly don't want to do that with God. Since God has given us so much. Look at verse 6 says, though, for exhortation. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk to them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. God's really exhorting his people to share the word of God. But once again, if we're not in the word of God, how can we share the word of God? It ain't enough just to be in the church. It's everything to be the church and to make sure not just that 
You know Christ, but Christ is in you. So that he's your favorite topic. He's your favorite telling people what God's done. You're sharing, you're caring, you're helping people to say, you know what? God can help you with that situation. God can help you. Best thing in the world is when you know that there's people who pray, pray for you. And you know that when they do, they're not doing it for formalities. They do it because they love you. Sam, how's your eyes doing? Sam, how's your eyes? Okay. You're here. Praise the Lord. You see, everybody has something that they go through, but you're not alone. God's with you. Stand to your feet with me, please. Let's just take a moment to recognize blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stands in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of the scornful, but in all his ways is delighted in the ways of the Lord. Let's delight ourselves in God. Can we make a commitment even today that we just not know of God, but we really want to know God? Isn't that a difference? To know God. To really know him. And I tell you what, if you don't, you're missing something great. You're missing something wonderful. Life has become sweeter because of the hunger he brings and how he works out things in such wonderful ways. He's always working. Those watching online, those here, God wants to work in your heart and life. There might be a situation, even within your own family right now, that you could say, you know what? My situation, my family, God, I need your intervention. I need your help. God wants to help. And what he wants you to do is, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. Trust him. Walk in him. Get to know him. Really stay in there and don't quit when it gets tough. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for who you are. And I pray that you help each vessel here and every dad here today. I pray that they would truly grab hold of their relationship with you first. Before they do anything else, it's always going upward than outward. And God, I pray will you just strengthen and help and that you would meet needs. And those that have never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior right now, I pray, Father, that they would just come to you right now and say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Maybe you online. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. Maybe you're a dad. This is a perfect day to say, God, here I am. The perfect time to say, God, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Help me. I surrender my life to you. It's that simple. That simple. One heart to the Father's heart transforms your heart and more like your life, your family, and those you meet. It's that simple. Surrender today, and today will be the first day of the rest of your life. God is good, and he's on your side. In Jesus' name, we praise you, give you praise, and give him some praise in the house of the Lord. Can you do so? Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon 
on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.